0: Rami, bro, come on, you're introing this one.
1: Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to the Realist Podcast in the Dunya, the three Muslims, which I just found out I'm actually introing, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. But um, alhamdulillah, today we have with us uh, three very special guests, all of which are sisters and we wanted to talk a little bit more about um, the sisters in the ummah and the dynamic between, you know, brothers and sisters in Islam. So, uh... Buy it, bro. Take it away. What's the topic?
0: Alhamdulillah. So today we are going to be discussing this uh, this question, this age-old question that can men and women be friends? I don't know why it's up to debate. I don't know why there's ikhtilaf on this. It shouldn't be that much of a difference in opinion. We know what we stand Islamic but we still want to understand where a lot of these brothers and sisters are coming from that are purporting this idea that men and women can indeed be friends. Some of them are even supporting it to the point where they think it's necessary um, in life. Insha'Allah, without further ado, I want to introduce these. these this, Allahumma about it. If you guys want to be a little talk about your
2: Sure. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Umka Ka. I go by that American mahajra. Um, so with uh, the topic, it's an important one. You're right. I don't understand uh, such a huge difference. But actually, when you say that um, some people are saying it's necessary, i am a bit of a realist so i can see why they say that not entirely sure i agree with it but we'll leave that for the rest of the live stream um let's hear from the other sisters
3: yeah. assalamu alaykum. my name is Fahanda. and um i'm also in a similar position as a uh, because i also even though we all live in the west and there are obviously instances where we are forced to interact with the opposite sex I think it's important that we still keep our Islamic values and, you know, maintain that level of respect when we talk to each other.
0: Mm, very well said. Okay.
3: As-salamu alaykum. My name is Ismina,
4: and um, I think it's a rising topic, uh, especially since we go to the union school with uh, opposite genders, so it's gonna be a nice discussion.
0: Alhamdulillah. Rami, bro, what about you? What are your thoughts? On can men
1: and women be friends? Um, yes. Alhamdulillah, I'm of the opinion that is it's an absolute no-no, uh, both from you know a secular perspective and especially from an Islamic one. And yeah. the reason for that is because there are very specific guidelines between men and women you know, interacting in Islam. Um, there is a huge emphasis on segregation in a lot of aspects of life. Um, for example, when we uh, go to the masjid, the women always pray behind the men, and there are multiple hadith that, you know, specify that the men should be in the farthest rows to the front, the women should be in the farthest rows at the back, and so on and so forth, and that the women should leave, um, and that the men shouldn't even really turn their head all the way so that they look behind them and see the sisters or something like that. So there's a lot of Islamic basis on there being boundaries between men and women, and being a, a friend with the opposite gender completely omits and overlooks all those boundaries. I don't know why there's a box on my face right now, to be honest. Do you guys see that?
0: You have the face. Yeah, right yeah we see
1: right it. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me try and fix that.
0: No worries, bro. And while he does that, inshallah, we will mm-hmm. continue this discussion. I agree with almost everything he said wholeheartedly. Um, Islamically, there's there's no question, but you know, we we talk about this concept a lot on our channel that there's what there should be Islamically, and then there's what's actually going on in reality. Because in the West, we live amongst you know non Muslims, we live amongst people of all different faiths, religions, cultures, and a lot of us lose our Islamic identity because we feel compromised to conform to these social norms. So, you know, it's very hard to hold on to these values. And society in a way is kind of pushing this narrative that we're brainwashed, we're barbaric, we're a little bit too extreme. And it's okay to just chill out, you know, free mix, live and let live. And I think that's where a lot of these problems come because many Muslims and Muslims are not firmly rooted in their religion. So when they come to the West, they don't know any better. They go to school, they listen to whatever the teacher is telling them. And before you know it, they're in a haram relationship. Right. And it's that easy. Um, but I also want to understand that there's 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 nuances to this. Like anyone that has a case for this, they're not always out here trying to do something haram. Some of them generally are misinformed or misguided. Some of them are living in a fairy tale, thinking that it's possible for men and women to be platonic, that there's no polarity, there's no attraction. So there's many different things we can talk about. As you can see, Brother Rami, Allah Mubarak, bro, the face tracking is gone. Um, And we can see the note on your face. So why don't you take over and start with um, any common argument that you hear for people saying, here's why men and women can't be friends.
1: Just to specify why men and women can be friends?
0: Can be friends, yes.
1: Um I mean a lot of the the arguments I hear is oh you know we are more civilized now and we are able to you know have men and women who are friends and talking and hanging out and sharing their thoughts and beliefs and you know life stories without any instance of a feeling from from either or for the other person that's usually it's usually from a place of I'd say, um, and I don't mean this in a rude way, but it's usually from a place of ignorance that, um, you know, oh, they don't I don't like them. And I know they don't like me. What the heck do you know? (laughs) You don't know a damn thing. I'm sorry, especially for the sisters out there. I know a lot of the time they, you know, they probably see friendships as more platonic, but they're getting a huge, uh, you know, emotional connection from this person, which even if they don't see it in an intimate way, uh, they do you know, love those connections. Whereas they don't know what the heck's going on in the the guy's head. And more often than not, maybe there's like a 1%. But 99% of men who are attracted to women, at least, um, will like you or wait for some kind of opportunity. And I guess a better way to say this is 99% of men um, are only friends with women they find attractive. If they are friends with women. They're only women who they find attractive. And uh, the women that you know both they find attractive and are willing to talk to them. <clears throat>
2: So you said it comes from a place of ignorance, I would actually argue that it comes from a place of delusion, actually, Um, and especially on the sister's part, because you're right, um, uh, you guys might have heard of this um, experiment, social experiment that kind of happened like way back, it's been, I think, like, well over 10 years now, probably, I think it was at University of Utah, where they asked um, men, uh, they asked like college students basically on campus, they asked boys and they asked the girls basically. And they asked, do you think that do you think that guys and girls can be friends, uh, platonic friends? And basically all of the girls, they say yes, um, while all the guys, they actually say no. Um, but when the girls, when you ask the girls, then when you press a little bit more and you ask them, oh, if you, uh, okay, do, like they ask, like, oh, do you have like a specific friend in mind? And if you gave him the chance um, to like, you know, pursue you like romantically, basically, do you think he would be up for it? And all of them said 100% yes. So that means that like subconsciously they know it, but like they're literally just suppressing. Uh, Those thoughts, basically, and saying, oh, no, we're just friends. We're just friends. We're just friends. He's like my brother. But in reality, they in in the back of their minds, they do know. But again, it's just delusional thinking, basically, that uh, they're just platonic.
0: Mm. That was very well said. What do you two sisters think about that?
3: Going back to um, Brother Rami's point, while society is kind of changing, I think our biology remains the same because the synergy between masculine and feminine energies are so it's so profound that attraction is just inevitable so it's kind of difficult to say that all these male and female relationships will remain platonic when in reality it's not
0: 100% i agree
3: i don't know
4: i just feel like we're humans so like i don't see it that way like when i talk to someone i don't think um she's a girl she's a guy i just think they're human and like okay i I feel like we can like have acquaintances like in uni and work but um it becomes a problem when we like when friendships become close basically
0: okay so you're you're of the viewpoint just so i can clarify this sister that yes we can but there's like a line to draw
4: yeah basically
0: yeah. Whereas I'm coming from a point of view where it's like prevention is the best cure. You know what I mean. So why don't you go into that? Let's let's pick at your brain a little bit. Tell us what, like, what makes you think that you know when you look at uh, an individual, you don't see them as men, men as a man or a woman. You see them as just a human being, which is fine by the way. You're totally valid to feel that. But go into that. Like, what goes through your mind? Where do you draw the line? How do you know when to draw the line? Um, how do you gauge someone's interest? Go into that.
4: Uh, well, usually when I look, like, when I talk to someone, I see them as a human, even if they're doing bad things, they're doing good things, because, like, I just feel like even someone, no matter what someone does or has is, at the end, at at their core, they're human, um, and, like, I feel like you draw the line at close friendships. So, when you feel like you're getting too close to a certain person, which inevitably will happen, but then, like, you either get married or, like, you cut the person, not cut the person off, but kind of distance yourself from the person.
0: And how do you personally know when to draw the line? Because the, you, I'm sure you've heard of, like, the slippery slope fallacy, that the deeper you go into the need of a relationship, that... It basically normalizes a new established dynamic, and therefore it becomes much harder to like have an objective viewpoint into how deep you're getting with someone.
4: Yeah, that is kind of hard to um, to know when to draw the line. But you know, like you know when to draw when to draw the line.
0: Okay.
4: Like you should know.
0: You should know. Okay, Rami, what about you? Um.
1: I just I want to go back to something you said earlier um sister Yasmin <clears throat> you had mentioned that when you see you know a person you don't think oh this is a boy or this is a man or this is a woman you you just see them as a person um but how do you know that the other person is looking at you in the same exact way
4: <sighs> You don't but you're not responsible for the way other people see you you're responsible for the way you see other people and you see yourself
1: yeah one hundred percent. I agree. You know, we're not gonna be held accountable, one for how we feel and two for how other people view us or, or, or you know, feel about us, unless we do something that, you know, would inspire them to feel a certain way. That's different. But um we are responsible, however, for putting ourselves or not putting ourselves in certain situations. And I think it's very obvious that when you put yourself in a situation where inevitably you have to cut somebody off, or you put yourself in a situation where um, you know you're, you're sitting and talking to a person with the intention of not getting close to them um, it's very problematic because it brings into question why are you even really speaking with this person you know if you're going to develop a friendship why not do it with someone who you know you can speak to for a long time why put yourself in a situation where it's like oh now I'm married I have to cut this person off wouldn't it be better if that was a woman who you could remain friends with
4: no, but I mean, like, what if you're from like, someone uni and it's like you have a I
1: I think this is. I think this brings up a good point. Like we should define friend. What do you mean when you say friend? You mean you mean you know, someone,
4: like someone, well, okay. like you see every now and then.
1: Like you go out of your way to see them, or you see them at school and in class,
0: as necessary.
4: At school and class. Okay. Oh,
1: okay. okay. okay.
4: You go out of your way occasionally, oh. like mm-hmm. once a year, or like
1: every six months wait wait so just i think you cut off a little bit so are you are you adding on that you might go out to see them once a year every six months
4: as a group obviously like a group of friends
1: okay all right Hmm. so are you aware that a lot of the time um relationships or not maybe not a lot of the time but a good amount of the time relationships don't form um, and I mean, intimate ones don't form basically upon two people meeting a lot of the time there is intimacy built up, you know, between friends. And that is what escalates between, you know, a man and a woman, not necessarily. I just laid my eyes on you, especially for women, but more so something that develops over time. So are you not opening yourself up to a lot of potential risk for this person to you know inevitably like you or for you to inevitably like them?
4: I yeah, I understand that risk, but I also understand that you're kind of cutting yourself off the population. Like imagine all the conversations and all the like the topics and like just everything. Like you're cutting yourself off from half of the population. Like that's crazy to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if half the population or a good percentage of half the population views you in a very explicit manner and would take any opportunity to do whatever they want with you, I would say thank God that you're cutting off those ties and, and those, you know, possibilities.
4: Yeah. But do you think...
1: I... Sorry, can you repeat that? Sometimes it cuts off.
4: Sorry, do you think <clears throat>
1: every person thinks like us? I think 99% of men that would be friends with you, 100% see you in that way. And there were studies done on this, or at least, you know, YouTube videos made.
0: There were studies done on it. There were public interviews. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were Muslim. Awesome, a lot of them were not Muslim. Awesome. And they asked them, do you have any male friends? And then they're, just, and they're like, call them. And when they called them, they basically, you know, for the non-Muslims, at least not to be too explicit, they just said, ask him, like, you know, we want to hook up or whatever. And when they told him that, he said, all right, but I'm coming over. Like, and, and they were shocked. The women were shocked because they were generally under the guise that it's just platonic. But the sheer, like, expressions that they had just to show that this was not what they expected goes to show volumes that a lot of the time women fall for this trap by feminism that we're the same. There's equality. So, most women like it's it's a common law that like majority of women do not find majority of men attractive, but majority of men do find majority of women attractive. So because of that, when a lot of women go around not basically having any feelings for their guy friends, they make this mistake that thinking men are gonna be the same. So, if I don't find him attractive, he obviously doesn't find me attractive. When there are a lot of schmucks, let's say, that would be willing to be friends with a woman. For like twenty years, ten years, five years, just to be in a potential position to get with her, even if he doesn't make it known right off the rip. Yeah.
1: And I think to really solidify this point, I want to ask you a question, sister. If for every single guy you met, you you know, could see a sign above his head and it would let you know, you know, if he would take any opportunity to do whatever, you know, with you. Would that affect how many guys you talk to, and would it affect your out- outlook on the situation in men if you saw that ninety nine percent of the people you saw had that sign above their head?
4: uh yes, and no uh yes, obviously, because grows out uh no, because I think it's like it's nature and it's hormonal, it's not their fault um. Yeah. And like like you take out of the friendship what you want and under your terms. And obviously when you see like the limits, like like when you see that line that you need to like where you need to cut the person off, you know when to do it.
0: Okay, so I have a question for you. Um a genuine question. It it goes without saying that we clearly understand that there's limits that we should not transgress over and that we do have primal, I guess, desires that we can't control. Like as Sister Farhonda was talking about, like the whole synergy between masculine and and feminine polarity, there's, there's no doubt that this will arise and instill attraction subconsciously in like a, a subhuman level, even I want to call it, let's say. But my question to you is now, Do you do you understand we have this mentality sometimes when we are under temptation that it's very difficult for us to do the right thing or draw the line like you're saying
4: yeah
0: so do you understand that being in that position might cloud your judgment a little bit
4: yeah
0: okay so if you understand that do you think it's then safer to allow every human being Basically, have a mentality that we will know when to draw the line, or do you think that prevention, like, be- um,
4: yeah, I agree. Like, I agree with you guys. I just like if you draw the line early, like, before that even happens, before that even like, like, even before that thought even comes, then you're good. Like, if you draw the line, at, like, at uni, or like, uh, like. You don't talk after school or whatever. Then, like, you're like that thought doesn't even come. That mm-hmm. situation doesn't even come. It doesn't
1: appear.
0: Yeah, Khair. And and Rami, do you have anything to say? And then I have some questions for the other two sisters.
1: Yeah, I just I just wanted to ask. I think this question came up earlier, but you know, who not only where do you know when to draw the line, but who who has the right? To draw the line you know wouldn't our creator who created us and knows us inside out everything about us wouldn't they know best what the you know best practices for us are if we should segregate when and how we should segregate um whether we should limit conversation with the opposite gender as much as possible or whether there is an allowance for that yeah and do you believe that in islam there are not very clear guidelines for You know, when we are allowed to speak to opposite opposite gender, like, for example, if there's necessity or if you are working with, you know, uh, uh, members of the opposite gender at work and they urgently need something for work or vice versa?
4: No, I think it's very clear. to be.
1: Okay. And do you think that this idea that, well, I can talk to them since we're in school or I can go out once a year or every six months with them in a group? Um, even though more conversations are going to be taking place in public, do you not think that those violate the Islamic guidelines?
4: Uh, well, uh, there's no cl- there's no clear like yes or no, but sorry, yeah. there's,
0: there's no there's no clear what you cut off.
4: There's no clear yes or no to that question, but in my opinion, like if it isn't clear, then it's a no.
1: Okay, that's, I think that's very fair. If there's a gray area, then you should be safe rather than sorry.
4: Yeah, basically. So okay, I, would, I would say no.
1: Okay, I think that's very fair. khair.
0: Okay, so my, my question to the other two sisters is, have y'all ever had, I don't want to say a phase, but just parts of your life where you had a differing viewpoint than you do now? Perhaps a little bit more indoctrinated by Western... <laughs> programming or what they teach you in the education system or what you see in society did you guys always have the view that you have right now
3: (laughs) not exactly
2: i think everybody at this stage like i think because of just like the global culture and everything right and just growing up in the west like where just the feminist ideology is the absolute norm. It's impossible for a Muslim living in that situation to not be affected at some level. So to some degree, you do end up believing basically everything that is repeated, like about, oh, guys and girls can be friends. You have to go to school. You have to talk. Obviously, you have to be normal. You can't just sit in a corner and just like, you know, uh, be quiet and cut off from everybody. And and then obviously, all of your other all of your even if you have just like female friends. All your female friends are talking to guy friends, and they're going out in group settings, uh, as Sister Yasmin also mentioned. Um, so, if all of the set, all of the outings basically are group outings, then you don't want to be left out. And there's also like you know, there's peer pressure, there's all these things basically that play a role. Mm. So, it's very very rare, I think, to find uh, people that are have always just been immune to that. And I think uh, Sister Farakonda probably um, can kind of tell us a little bit more about her experience because she was mentioning something. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, Yes, well, when I was in school about when I was about 14 or something, because this feminism ideology was quite prominent, you know, it's, it's their way of like, it's kind of basically like propaganda. And unfortunately, because I was so surrounded by these like values and norms, I was indoctrinated as well and I was, you know, manipulated to believe that men and women are the same, we think the same, a girl can do what a boy can do and that we're psychologically on the same level but after I reconnected with Islam about in lockdown I realised of course that, you know, this is reality, this is the real world, it's a very idealist way of thinking that everyone can be happy, there are no differences, that men and women can do anything yeah
1: Hmm. so what happened when you you know abandoned these previous beliefs where was like the turning point
3: i think the turning point was it was i don't know i don't know if there was a turning point to be honest because it was kind of like gradual because these feminists kind of views were so woven into me subconsciously that even when I reconnected with Islam I still saw some Islamic rulings but kind of triggered me inside so it took a long time for me to get rid of these views and think from a non-biased p- perspective
2: hmm. so for me actually there was a pretty clear turning point um with this so what happened with me um I kind of moved around a lot um and there's a thing I believe, by correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Hazrat Umar radiallahu anh, who said um, that to be alone is better than to have bad company, but to have good company is better than being alone. So for me, basically, uh, once when we moved, um, I was basically distant from my old friends, which was not, I don't want to call them bad company because they weren't really bad, but they were just like, you know, it was this like being friends with guys and all this stuff basically and going out and like you know mixed mixed gatherings and all this stuff basically um so then when i was cut off with that that's when i think spun a lot like allah guided me to a lot of things and it also made me realize that like just kind of getting comfortable with being alone is i think super important because um was something else another question that i think someone wanted to have answered about like you know. Um, what about like tom- tomboy girls basically like you know people that don't get along with other girls but again it's better that you're alone than that you fall into potential sin basically mm. it's better to and it's better to be patient while being alone than to fall into eventual sin basically because to some degree like you know you can't all all most acquaintances as well i know we try to give gray area to the acquaintances because oh it's not like you know super close friendships like for example people justify people justify going on dates nowadays because oh it's in a public space so that hadith about like you know how uh, when a man and woman are alone um the third is shaitan they say oh see i'm not alone with her it's a public space so apparently mm. it's okay to go on dates now But that's not how it works. You can't just talk to her and flirt with her openly just because uh, there's like 10 other people also on dates, basically. Um, Right. So there's all this stuff as well. Uh, So getting comfortable with being alone, I think, is also super important. And then just like making an effort to find good company and not like, you know, sacrificing Um, not sacrificing what you believe, basically, just to fit in, just to please other people. And Allah really rewards that. That's one thing that I've really experienced in my life. When you make sacrifices for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will reward that to the max. Like, I have been blessed with the best company and every time people try to like you know this fear-mongering habit of oh if you don't if you don't talk to the opposite gender how are you going to find a spouse well alhamdulillah i found the best spouse and i didn't have to talk to anybody uh so it's just you know it's the same just this idea of like you know sacrifice for allah's sake and trust me he will reward you
0: alhamdulillah may allah bless you and your marriage allah i mean and it's it's crazy how much i can relate to that i've I've heard so many countless arguments from the other side that oh if it's in a group gathering it's fine or it's in a public setting or anything like that as if that changes anything um so i want to give a shout out to victor for the super chat men and women can never be friends i started being a friend to a girl and we ended up engaged now bless you bro Um, creative rami asks all right your best friend should always be your husband and wives inshallah young welsh writes i thought this was a pentecostal christian discussion what christian denomination is this i don't know how you got here bro but this 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 ain't over here so i'm gonna pull up some some questions that we got in the dms uh you want to take over inshallah in the meantime
1: sure inshallah uh on a quick note of that guy who asked what christian denomination this is he did that i think a few streams ago so it's just his his little joke, I guess. He comes in our chat and asks which Christian denomination we are, what kind of, like, sermon. Mm. Uh, I think it's just something he does for fun. Welch,
0: bro, is this is this the part where we're supposed to laugh? <laughs> Let's see. Okay, so the first question is, um, I'm going to keep it anonymous, but the, the sisters here know who it is. Uh, do you have any advice for sisters that only have guy friends? So growing up, I don't have necessarily favorable experiences with female <laughs> friendships. Throughout primary school, I was deemed as weird. Therefore, let's just say amongst the girls, for whatever reason, I just mainly had guy friends and we just clicked more. Um, Most of the stuff that I found interesting, they find it interesting too. It makes me happy because I finally had friends that I can relate to. They don't ostracize me or judge me for anything. They just like hang around with me. Perhaps this is the starting point of me growing up a tomboy. Um, So thoughts on that. Any of you, Bismillah, take it away.
3: I personally think that even if this relationship does make you happy, I think that pleasing Allah is more important because, of course, Islamically, it would be impermissible.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: I think it's a common thing that happens though because okay girls at a certain age especially like that middle school high school age are really catty honestly I had a tough time finding friends too but again it just goes back to kind of what I was mentioning before you have to get comfortable sometimes with uh, an uncomfortable situation um, and giving preference to basically what is islamically correct and trust that Allah will reward you for that because um, uh, that's after after a certain age, girls are pretty nice, honestly. And then also, maybe you've just had some bad experiences. Not everyone is like that. There's also plenty of good people as well. <laughs> um, just because you have some bad experiences doesn't mean you should stop trying. Um, maybe try a, a different set of friends, basically a, a different circle. Um, but definitely being uh, comfortable with being um, just by yourself and not necessarily... Even if you don't necessarily fit in, it's okay because, again... He said that the deen is something that is strange, and it will revert to being something that is strange. So, the believers, the Muslims, they shouldn't, they sh- they can't always uh, desire this feeling of fitting in. You can't have this idea because the Muslim was not made to be uh, to be like you know just like anyone else. We are meant to stand out. We are meant to be different. We have a standard that was dictated by Allah and Rasulullah. And that's what we follow and that's what we give preference to. So even if you feel comfortable talking to the guys, even if these are the nicest, they could honestly be the nicest guys on the planet. Maybe they're actually, maybe they have no bad intentions. Maybe they really help you out and everything. But still, you have to make sure they're not more than acquaintances. You cannot be counting, uh, crossing any boundaries. Um, because there's, there's no benefit in, um, in earning the displeasure of Allah, really.
0: Mm. So sis, there's a, there's a difference between acquaintances or like forced interactions. Like, okay, I have to be paired up with this person for like a group project or like, you know, he's my partner in a lab, that type of stuff versus you going out of your way to like do, do the most, you know what I mean? And usually people know what they're doing and it's, it's a very good reminder for that. And so, so Yasmin, what do you think about that?
4: Uh, I think you can't tell a kid who to be friends with and who to not be friends with like until like they're at a certain age, I think it's fine to be honest because like then they go to be okay with the other gender and we've seen this a lot because like for example in Saudi before before they opened up and everything like people would travel and like they'd, like they'd be shocked they'd have a culture shock. Because they didn't know what women were. Like, men didn't know what women were. And, like, I think it's healthy, actually, for kids to mingle, like, with the opposite gender.
0: So do you do you believe that if kids can be exposed to the other gender from a very young age, that it's going to be easy for them to, I guess, not intermingle or free mix once they hit that age where they are going to be having to draw these lines?
4: No, I I just think, no, I don't think it's obviously going to be harder, but I think there should be lines drawn, even as kids, but le- like less harsh lines, I guess.
0: Mm, that's interesting, Rami. What do you think?
1: Well, Bismillah, firstly, on the last topic, I wanted to add that the ends does not justify the means in Islam. You know, mm. a common example is if you want to give in charity. To, by the way, people donate to um, to Syria and Turkey, donate to our religion and sisters. They need it. Um, but if someone wanted to give in charity, it's not permissible to rob a bank and then donate everything to charity. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, if you get money in any haram way, you sh- are basically told, as far as I know, you know, go to a scholar to correct me, uh, if case I'm wrong, just to confirm. But as far as I know, you're you're supposed to donate that money without expecting any reward from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So even if you do reward, you know, do donate it um you're not rewarded because the again the ends never justifies the means so if your goal is to have meaningful conversations um does not give you permission to go talk to the opposite gender and put yourself in you know a bad scenario or engage in any kind of haram for the sake of a conversation i don't think that kind of reasoning would line up and imagine you know you're married and your husband or wife is talking to the opposite gender and you ask, why do you need to talk to this person? They're like, you don't give me good conversations, and nobody else does. So I need to talk to this guy. You know, is that something okay. that is is justifiable? Um, I don't think even women nowadays would accept something like that. I think they would be very upset. Um, mm-hmm. But what was uh, there's something I wanted to say on this specific topic. Just remind me what the question was.
0: Okay, so the question was basically a sister reaching out to us. Um, for lack of a better word. And she was basically asking that, you know, growing up, she never had favorable favorable experiences to the same sex, so to other yeah. sisters. And the interactions were weird. Maybe they were judgy. Maybe they didn't align with her views or opinions. But she clicked more with the men. And she was like, I feel the community, that belongingness, that love, that alignment, that brotherhood with, with the guys. And because of that, she's asking, like, you know, I can't have that with women. I finally have that with guys. What do you think about that?
1: You know, you know what I genuinely think? And I'm not mm-hmm. saying this about this sister in particular, right? So if, you, if you're watching, sister who asked that, do not think I'm thinking I'm talking about you specifically, but it is something that I think you should reflect on. What is this amazing connection that you're getting from these men? Is it something that you're not getting from women because, um, you know, you don't have women around you that can, you know, provide you with that, but the women exist? Or is it because they're men that you feel a connection to them that you should be feeling from, you know, um, other men who should be giving you attention, you know, such as your husband or your father or your brothers. These are supposed to be the masculine men in your life mm. taking care of you, making you feel provided for and comfortable, um, not random men in the street. Um, so I think maybe you should really reflect on that. Are these men that I feel close to because they're giving me attention? And, and I don't want to say validation because I feel like that's a little rude to use in this context. But you know, they're giving you this attention and this emotional connection as a man. And that's why you never resonated well with women, because there are definitely women out there who have the same interests as you. Whether it's you know Islam and Sharia, or Akeda, or it's you know knitting or arts and crafts or whatever it is, mm. they exist. You just have to find them.
0: it bro, that was well put together. The, the question that we got from someone else asking, uh, what are your thoughts on having uh, a friend who is not straight? I don't want to say and get this video demonetized, but um, it, it reminds me of a hadith bro where there was a prophet ﷺ one day and there was a man that was in the house. It was one of those you know back then they had these these like asexual you know housekeepers where people lived in the house either they had like no at least or they were basically like they weren't functional in that way they were just asexual or whatever and because they had that predisposition, a lot of them stayed in the house and that the prophet ﷺ walked in on the man describing this woman that he basically found on the street and describing how she walked and how she moved and keep in mind that there was no threat like the this man knew who Aisha was married to. He knew the Prophet there was no lines being crossed, but with quickness, he literally no hesitation, he said this is like the last time you're gonna be here because I fear that the way that you were describing other women, you were going to be describing my wife to other people like that. So it just goes to show that, yes, perhaps there's no interest with him and her, but he's still a man at the end of the day who was deemed to not be a threat, but clearly, and I'll put up that hadith when I can find it, inshallah. It's just something from my
1: Yeah, and also that, I believe that person was a eunuch. You know, I believe people are people that don't have the facilities anymore because they were, you know, um, those facilities were omitted from their, Bodies to say the least. So Mm -hmm. there is no possibility of anything. But a guy who, you know, has an attraction to or claims to have an attraction to the opposite gender, um, that does not necessarily mean oh now you could talk to them because one, maybe you will feel a certain way about them. And two, maybe they don't only have an attraction to the opposite gender. And three, I mean you never know. He still has the ability, you know, that is still dangerous. Um, and that does not give the excuse or omit the ruling that's with the opposite gender we should have very strict boundaries.
0: I wanted to add something that when I was in university, bro, there was this person that in in one of our classes, there was this girl and then there was a guy, right? So the guy was not straight. The girl was straight. She found him attractive. She knew there was no chance of them getting together because he was not straight. Yet she still tried to get him to change his mind for four years. Like that is absurd. which just goes to show that like, despite her knowing that this is orientation she still wanted that so a lot of people just can't come to terms with accepting it on a logical level even if they do in a subconscious level we don't know how we operate we don't know how we we're not aware of these thoughts and that we have but what do you sisters have to say about that
2: that's definitely true and that's not the only case actually where you mentioned that um about like uh having a homosexual friend basically um Uh, but then there's so many cases of that. There's literally, um, so many, um, I think if you, I think I watched like a YouTube video about this where, um, people thought that like, you know, the case scenario was that the girl was straight, but the guy was also like, you know, he wasn't straight and they still end up falling into Zina, basically, and she gets pregnant by him, basically. So these situations occur way common, actually. It's a, And then considering also now, where the West has this concept of... Um, Like you know, sexuality exists on a spectrum, right? Nowadays, nobody's just gay, nobody's just lesbian, basically. Everybody is just some level of bisexual, some level of something, basically. They don't like that, they don't like to be called just gay anymore. So there's no um, even if you think that they're uh somebody's homosexual, and then the other thing is if some if you're friends with somebody that can be homosexual first of all i don't i don't know how you could be friends with someone like that because how can you um if someone is disregarding allah's will uh and and by the way i mean not someone who has those feelings but someone who is actively acting on it definitely because again we're not held responsible for our feelings but if somebody's literally acting on and openly openly talking about for example their feelings of being a homosexual person how can you uh, be a friend and validate those feelings, basically? And how will you answer to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala basically, about that? Like, uh, there has to be a certain level of dissociation, I think, from sin and from sinful um, environments, sinful people as well. To be honest.
0: Hmm. What about yeah, I agree
2: si-
0: with you... Oh, sorry. Go on.
3: Uh, oh, okay. Thank you. And I was going to say that I agree with that because if we maintain these boundaries between men and women, we can a- avoid unnecessary conflicts because especially when, you know, rules are made based on general trends, not exceptions.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's facts. Someone commented, you can only be friends if you don't find her remotely attractive. I disagree with that because when two people are in a relationship, and this relationship doesn't have to be, by the way, an intimate relationship, it could just be a friendship even, that is a relationship, that no two people, even if they find both each one another unattractive, the degrees and extent to which they find each other unattractive are not ever going to be the same, rarely. Meaning one person is always going to find the other person slightly more unattractive, and the other person is going to find the other person slightly less unattractive. So whoever finds the other person relatively a little bit more attractive, without trying to confuse y'all, they will have a subconscious pursuing or, or longing for that person more than the other one, if, if that makes sense. A lot of times you see this with men and women that, sure, the man finds her unattractive, the woman finds her unattractive, but the woman completely like sees him as, like let's say, a minus 10. But then the man sees her as, let's say, like a minus 2. So relatively, he still likes her more than she likes him. And because of that, it will reflect in his behaviors a time where she's vulnerable or sensitive or complaining to her about a man or whatever. And men usually always take this opportunity to get what they want. And sometimes women get blindsided by that because they have this idealistic worldview that there's nothing that can happen between us.
2: Also, um, I don't believe that um, I don't believe that no attraction can exist between friends because. The reason you're friends with someone is because you are attracted to something about them. You wouldn't be friends with someone you're not attracted to at all, whether that's a physical aspect of them or like something about their personality or something. And we know that personality also beautifies uh, a person's looks basically over time as well. So you're going to end up attracted to her if initially, even if you think that she's the ugliest girl on the planet. Um. First of all, I don't think guys would be friends with the ugliest girl on the planet. But even if you were friends with her just because, like, you know, personality or whatever, that would eventually translate into other things. Like, there's no way it wouldn't. You are attracted to her. That's why you're friends with her.
0: That is facts. I didn't even think about that. See, personality makes makes up for a lot of physical, I guess, insufficiencies in the way that you view the other person. And there's a show called Catfish. I don't know if any of you all know it, but it's basically where two people are talking to one another in like this online relationship. They've never met one another. And usually the person on the other end is is catfishing them, meaning they're not who they purport to be based on pictures or whatever. Sometimes it's completely different. It's a guy. It's not even a girl. So there was this one case where this guy was talking to a girl long-term for a few years. I don't know why people do this without just meeting up and verifying anything. And then it's like, the, you know, Kafirs, are not Muslims. And then eventually, you know, he fell in love with her and the personality and everything, even though he, d- he didn't see what she looked like on some pics. And then when they met up, it ended up being a guy. And not only that, he ended up still getting with the guy because of that emotional connection. So not only is it what you're saying, that they'll change their perceived attractiveness to the opposite gender, they might even change their orientation completely. Mm, It's fun. Rami, bro, what's on your mind? You've been awfully quiet.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's, um, I think these are all great. The last point I want to add is, imagine we actually accepted that, you know what? Men and women cannot be friends except... If, you know, the guy is gay or the girl is gay, how many, especially men, people would pretend to be just to be able to sit and talk to a girl and then later come out as bi or whatever, you know, after establishing this huge emotional connection, it just opens up the door to so much fitna and, you know, a vulnerability for our sisters. And we don't want our sisters to be in a vulnerable position. And we want to keep them protected from a lot of vile men that are out there. Hmm. And people even joke about this stuff by the way, you know, like oh, when I pretend to be uh sus so I can get the girl sleepover and that like people make jokes about this. It's it's not funny, it's the male. Mm-hmm.
0: So <laughs> I want I have a question for y'all three sisters, um, and maybe even brother Rami if you want to answer this. But as women growing up here in the West or wherever you guys grew up, what from your current understanding of Islam and where you are in in your deen, what advice would you have to sisters and brothers that are in environments such as being in students or in a workplace where they have no control over being forced to interact with the opposite sex and what I guess lines would you have them draw and personal boundaries would you have them exercise
3: I think when talking to them at school for instance keep conversations respectful and only talk about things that are necessary. so don't cross the boundaries of course and talk about things that are informal just act professional I would
2: say
0: mm, okay very good um what about you two sisters
2: I'd like to hear uh what Yasmina has to say about this actually because again we're talking about the lines and I really want to know um kind of how you draw those lines like where do you think the lines should be drawn um <clears throat>
4: I'm not quite sure how to answer that, but I think the line should be drawn like when either side feels like it's becoming more than a,
2: than an acquaintance, basically.
0: You think line so should I be think, drawn after?
2: Yeah, exactly. See, I think like the beauty of Islam is that Islam cuts it off before it gets to that point, right? Where like, for example, like. In the Quran, Allah says, "Do not even go near zina." He says, "La taqrabu zina." Do not approach zina. Um, so it's not about when you're uh, when you're almost committing zina, basically, and then you think that oh, I've crossed a line, I should probably dial it back. It's don't even go like everything that leads to it is basically haram. So um, going back to like advice to people, because I did grow up over there and I went to uni and all this stuff because you have to, this is, and there are going to be interactions with the opposite gender, whether you like it or not, honestly. And it's really hard. It is really hard to be like, you know, I know Fekhanda said to be professional and that is the best advice, I think. Um, But what I would say is just Make sure, like, for example, don't, uh, some practical things, don't give anyone your number, basically, don't let it go, don't establish any long-term, long-term contact with the opposite gender, basically. Whatever happens in class stays in class, try to avoid them outside of class, definitely. If you're in a working environment, um, you just have to keep it professional. Um, And again, just be comfortable with, uh, being different, I think that's the most important advice I would give to all Muslims, to be honest, uh, practicing the religion anywhere, um, because you are going to feel a little bit like a stranger, but that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. Um, so just having that uh, having that kind of mindset, I think, would help a
0: lot. And what advice, sis, would you have for um, men and women that are realizing, you know what, I've had a lot of friends of the opposite gender, now I, I realize that I shouldn't, for whatever reason, for the sake of Allah, And now I got to make these changes, but now I'm going to feel lonely.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you that Allah is definitely going to send you better. I can almost, I can literally promise it. You can write it in gold, literally, as our parents like to say. Um, It's 100% fact, because when you give up something for Allah's sake, there's, I believe, um, a du'a as well in this, where uh, I believe it was uh, Um Salama, right? The wife of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from our Ummahatul Mu'mineen. When Abu Salama passed away, she was distraught she was like what am i gonna do now how and so, like i believe was it rasul who advised her with that dua basically and she was like how could how could anyone be better than abu salama because she was so in love with him he was the best husband ever but Rasul, like, you know, that du'a, um, it was about like, you know, give me better, basically. And when you ask that of Allah, Allah will give you better beyond anything you could have possibly imagined. Like, that is a fact. I've seen it in my life literally so many times. So uh, as Muslims, like this concept of sacrificing for the sake of Allah is such, a, such an important part of the deen. And when you do that, trust me, trust me, trust me. Allah will bless you. Allah will give you better. So uh, even if, and one other thing, a lot of times people uh, don't uh, aren't able to draw the lines because they're worried about hurting people's hearts, right? And hurting, hurting people's feelings. Um, look, ultimately, the heart of that person that you're worried about, that heart is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you're putting the pleasure of Allah and you're earning the pleasure of Allah, Who controls that heart that you just heard? Allah controls that heart. So he has the power to turn that heart and to take care of that heart for you as well. So if you have a girl that you're talking to right now, she might be your girlfriend. She might or maybe you're a girl and you're talking to a guy. He might be your boyfriend. um, Give it up for Allah's sake and trust that Allah will take care of that person for you. And if it's meant for you, trust me, it's going to come back to you. And it's going to come back to you in a halal way that's actually beneficial for you. It'll be beneficial for you in the long term. It'll be not toxic because current um, haram relationships are nothing but toxicity, honestly. It's not, it's not going to end well, even if you end up getting married. How many times do you hear about people who were literally in a relationship for years and years and years, but after marriage, it breaks apart because which is crazy versus like, you know, you hear about people who um, did things the right way. For example, my husband, I literally talked to him like twice, uh, one time in person, one time on a like uh, FaceTime. And alhamdulillah, we got married after discussing obviously important things. Um, But when you again, keep in mind, just discuss the way that you have to discuss and you keep Allah's pleasure in mind, you are going to receive barakah from him that you could have never imagined was realistic. So don't try to be mm. realistic. Trust Allah and He will give it to you.
0: Alhamdulillah. I think that you couldn't have you couldn't have done that. That was as, as good as you could have said uh, about it. Because so many times we we understand that if we let go of something for the sake of Allah, Allah will Allah will give us something better. And and we know this. We know this intrinsically. We know this to Islam. It's guaranteed. But how many of us can actually like practice this? How many people can actually implement this and walk the walk? It's easy to say it, but sometimes we don't because we, we think that we know better than Allah, stuck for Allah. And we think exactly. that okay, we understand where to draw the line or where to do this, where to do that. We have good intention, maybe we're doing bad action. Um, but most of the cases you're right in these haram relationships, one party or both parties usually it's one party, they don't have the intention of marriage, they're just dragging it along. Nobody wants to make it halal. Um, so may Allah protect us from that. Allah
1: Alright, so I think we're probably getting close to the end of the stream. It's been about an hour. Um, one question I do want to ask while you sisters are here is, what are some of the sisters' topics or sisters' issues that you feel are not being represented enough in the dawa sphere?
4: I have another question about this topic.
1: Yeah, go for it. What
4: about cousins?
1: Cousins fall in, under the same category. Because you're permitted to get married to them, I believe. So they can they're considered non-mahram.
0: Mm-hmm. Listen, um, listen, Rami, mm-hmm. if I have a wife, and the only way she's gonna be friends with a guy is if it's her twin brother. <laughs> That's it. That's funny. I'm what serious,
1: bro. What if it's a brother but not a twin?
0: Hell no. But definitely, what do, you, what do you two sisters have to say about that? Any issues, women's issues, like Brother Rami was asking?
2: Um,
3: I think maybe hijab hmm. and uh, women's journeys with hijab because, of course, what I think most Muslim women are aware that what is permissible and what is not permissible is just how to approach it, especially in the West because women are sexualized quite a lot. And it's kind of
2: hard to dress modestly sometimes.
0: Mm, Okay. Okay.
2: I think maybe even um, with regards to marriage, like honestly, I think I'd like to hear more about that. Like what to um look for an espouse because as i think uh i think 80 percent of people 80 uh, percent of muslims are obsessed with right now just like you know uh the age group that's on social media and all this we're always uh obsessed with the idea of marriage but um just talking about what are some like you know uh green flags basically what are some red flags um in women and men basically uh you could be providing um the red flags in men obviously because you guys know men better because you are men um things like that i think would be nice to see as well
1: hmm. yeah, okay i think that's a good point inshallah <clears throat> how about your sister uh, yasmin
4: i think addressing the double standards like with one men and women so like in a lot of cultures and families. Like, guys are allowed to do this, but girls aren't. Where, like, Islamically, both aren't allowed to.
0: Can you give some examples of this so we have a better idea?
4: Uh, Let's say my mom tells me to get back home at 10. But tells my little brother he can be home at 1 a.m. Like, if... Like let's say another family, like if a mom found, finds out that her son is drinking, it's mm-hmm. not a deal. But if her daughter is drinking, it's a huge deal.
0: So drinking like alcohol. Yeah. That is or wild. Like- do you think do you think this is this is baseless though? Because like what if the the mother is in this scenario, if it's your mother or whoever's mother, they understand that let's say a man can travel without Mahram, but a woman can't travel without Mahram. So because it's uh, late late at night she's just having a little bit more jealousy over uh, her daughter.
4: Yeah, I guess I do understand that. Mm, okay. um, but like traveling isn't being out. It's kind of different.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Traveling, I mean like just going outside.
4: But it's traveling going outside or it's traveling like actually traveling.
0: Sheikh Rami, what do you think?
1: Um, I think there is a bit of a difference. Um, going outside, um, you know, per se, it's not like haram for a woman or bad for a woman. But when it comes to traveling, you know, there are rules around that. And there are rules, you know, for a woman going outside in general, 100%. Um, But the the one about going out without a mahram, you know, there are some cases where it's allowed for a woman if she's just, you know, going out. Um, Obviously, if the husband is not okay with his wife just going out or the father is not okay with, with, you know, his daughter just going out randomly, you know, there is a level of authority that he has and a level of respect that he has to be given in regards to that. But it should not be taken to an extremes or in any kind of oppression. I think you do raise a fair point, um, even if it doesn't exactly apply to the going outside, because I think there is a lot greater risk of a woman being out late than a man being out late. Like, yeah, maybe a man would be robbed, but um, I don't think that's anywhere close to as bad as what might happen to a woman especially if she's not with a man i think if she's out with somebody who's going to protect her okay i think that's khair. but if she's out alone or just a small group of girls i don't think that is something that is preferable especially islamically you know there's there's uh vast evidence for that but when it comes to things like you know if you have a sister who doesn't wear hijab and a man who doesn't cover like his belly button or is you know he's always like half naked yeah then a lot of people especially men are willing to kind of jump at the woman like What's wrong with you? Cover yourself. Have shame. And, you know, they look at the same guys, you know, and they'll be like, wow, you know, look at him doing, uh, I don't know, look at him playing basketball, even though he's, you know, his aura is showing his knees and his belly button. They're like, wow, look at him, you know, dunk. And they're not even paying attention to that. I think there is a huge point to be made about things like that. So JazakAllah Khair for sharing that.
4: Thank you.
1: Of course of course yeah. all right um i think that's it from me do you sisters have any questions or any points you want to make before we end And Faya, do you have any questions before we end
0: alhamdulillah i got no questions but i want to know if the sisters have any questions for us and then we can wrap it up Um, i don't have any
3: questions
2: nope i'm good
0: alhamdulillah all right, all right guys so if you made it this far comment down below hashtag no because men and women cannot be friends so we know who made it till the end and with that being said inshallah brother rami you can wrap up
1: all right, alhamdulillah. We've had consistently 400 viewers through this whole stream, which means we should have at least 10,000 likes right now. JazakAllah khair. May Allah bless you guys immensely. And with that being said, Allahumma atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhaa nar. Assalamu wa alaikum wa, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam
4: wa rahmatullahi